The pre-med path can be super confusing. If you'd love some help on your path or on your applications, use the promo code PMY for pre-med years, PMY over at medicalschoolhq.net and get some help from some of our experts, former directors of admissions, admissions officers, other experts. We have a small team ready to help you today. Again, that's promo code PMY to get a discount on our services at medicalschoolhq.net. If you're applying to medical school in 2022 to start medical school in 2023, join me Wednesday or Thursday, Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern or Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern at premedworkshop.com. Go register today. I'm gonna show you how to tell your story in your application. Again, that's premedworkshop.com. If you are applying to medical school in 2022, be there or be square. The Pre-Med Year, session number 363. Hello, and welcome to The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Welcome back to the Pre-Med Years. Thank you for taking some time to join me today. Now, if it's not a welcome back and it is a welcome, thank you for taking the time to listen for your first time. I hope after listening to this episode, you will have some encouragement and some motivation to understand that the path to medical school may not be easy, but it is possible. I have an amazing guest today, Nathan, who actually reached out to me on Instagram to thank me for the podcasts and books and everything else, and to let me know that he got into his top choice medical school after starting off undergrad with a 1.8 GPA and figuring that he'll go on a different journey. He wasn't even pre-med at that point, but you'll hear his journey and everything that he accomplished, including getting married, having kids, and now having acceptance to medical school. Nathan, welcome to the Pre-Med Years. Thanks for joining me. Oh, thanks for having me. This is awesome. I'm excited to to share your story today to see if we can motivate some people, encourage some students who have maybe been in similar situations as you and see if we can show them that the the path is still there. The the road is not closed. So you reached out to me on Instagram saying you finally got into medical school, you got into medical school, and you originally had a 1.8 GPA freshman year. Let's talk yeah. about let's talk about freshman year. You going into undergrad going, okay, were you pre-med then going, I'm going to be a doctor and, and this oh, is what I'm going to do? Yeah, definitely not. I was completely opposite major, criminal justice, and moved out of the house when I was a teenager. And guess what? When you're 17, living on your own, you do not take freshman year seriously. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it doesn't work out too well. Was it was it like, ooh, look at me, I'm free. I can do whatever I want. I can stay up as long as I want. I can drink beers. Like what what was it for you that that got you in trouble? It was for me, it was just the shift of not only uh coming out of my parents' house, living on my own, but then realizing uh, oh, I have to work 
and I have to study. And uh, yeah, playing Xbox with friends was an awesome thing to do 10 years ago. <laughs> so uh, you added those things together and uh, online courses, man, it just, I had multiple Fs that first year and walked away with a 1.8. Yeah. Now, did you literally walk away? Did you like, ah, I guess college isn't for me? I, I, I didn't walk away from college that year, but I did do a course correction and um, realized uh, maybe criminal justice wasn't for me. And if I'm already struggling this much with it and I went to paramedic school, went to paramedic school when I was uh, 18 years old. How do paramedic school and criminal justice relate to each other? Uh, there's, there's an underlying theme of, uh, you know, helping people and, uh, it laughs cause I think about your t-shirts of, uh, I love helping people in science, uh, but it's, it was changing years of, uh, you know, maybe not necessarily helping people, uh, on their, uh, with a negative connotation, but switching towards, oh, I can help people, uh, you know, heal, get better. Uh, be be there on people's worst days and uh, versus being there on their worst days of, Hey, guess what? You're going to jail with me. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So now we can potentially help them in, in a different way. Did, yep. did you have any sort of experience with uh, EMT paramedic healthcare before you made that decision? Not really. Um, my, my, my only really medical uh, experience, and this was this was definitely my seed for my uh, personal statement, was being a little kid and uh, being eight or nine years old and getting drugged to work with my mom, and uh, she was a medical transcriptionist. Okay. And so you can imagine a little kid before the age of smartphones having to sit in her uh, in my mom's office, just wait waiting for her to type. Uh, position notes. So. <laughs> My mom also was a medical transcriptionist. So I have a little tie in there. Yep. So that, that was, that was the uh, curiosity peak of uh, being in elementary school. So, yeah. Um, okay. Very interesting. So what, what was it for you that you're like, well, I, I'm, I'm obviously not a good student, uh, but nope. this paramedic school, oh yeah, that'll be easy. Uh, it, it was not, it was accelerated program. There was only a few in the United States. Um, I literally went from, uh, just had my EMT license to a paramedic in about uh, six or seven months. And, um, a teenager, I could, I was allowed to push narcotics, but I still couldn't buy a beer, <laughs> uh, talk about the irony and, um, paramedic school was, uh, tough, but because it was accelerated, it was uh, Monday through Friday. I was there nine to five. And guess what? I needed that structure. No Xbox for you. No, there was no Xbox. Yeah. So that's interesting. Do you think part of it potentially was also the material as well? Like, okay, criminal justice stuff, I really don't like. Or maybe freshman year, you're not even into that stuff anyway. It's all gen ed stuff. Uh, and, and paramedic school, you're like, oh, I'm interested in this, so I'm I'm more dedicated to it. Yes, that was that was part of it as well. Um, if you're passionate about something, guess what, you do better. Yeah. And so that helped. Uh, it it was it was hard. Uh, paramedic uh, GPAs in many schools work a little bit different. Uh, 
you know, 94% is the cutoff for your A or B. And so uh, I know when it came time to submit my uh, applications this last year, uh, yeah, I had 36 hours of 3.0 for science. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I I can't really explain that. Oh, those were actually 92% of the course because it still got (laughs) transcripted as a B. Yeah, that's a uh, bummer. Yeah, right. and and a lot of people heard just heard that, and they'll say, "Wait a minute, paramedic school? I need like that's not school school. I don't need to put that on my application." Oh, that that was a, that was a big thing because uh, guess it goes on, and um, for uh, the WMC or Comus, you know, one counts. It goes in your science pool and the other one, it doesn't. So that's always something to keep in the back of your mind a little bit. Yeah, that's a little hard. Okay, so you you go to paramedic school. It sounds like this was a while ago. How long were you a paramedic before you started thinking, oh, maybe there's something more to this? Um, I was a paramedic for about uh, eight years and had actually changed companies and was uh, flying in a helicopter as a flight paramedic. Sweet. And, uh, that would, that just really blew the lid off of everything. Um, getting to see, uh, trauma systems and hospitals at a state level or regional level, getting to interact with these small rural hospitals, taking patients to, you know, the largest teaching hospital in the state. And, um, so that, that was, that was my, C 2.0 was, but seeing, uh, seeing those things, right. Seeing those systems that, that to me doesn't go, Oh, I saw this system. Now I want to be a doctor. What was it about what you were doing that potentially was the seed for this next step? A lot of it was, um, we had, uh, yearly clinicals, uh, just continuing education at some of the, uh, level one hospitals. And, uh, I can I can specifically remember an afternoon of uh, being paired in a cardiothoracic ICU with an, this amazing nurse, and I saw my first uh, gaggle of medical students coming in <laughs> doing rounds. And is that the uh, official name? Like a murder of crows? That we have a, a gaggle yeah, of medical a gaggle. students. I, hey, I'll find out when I'm there. Okay, that's what I'm going with now. <laughs> and. Uh, just hearing the questions they were being asked and, um, you know, in the most humble way, I remember thinking, wow, like this is, I can do that. Like, I, I know the answer to that question. And it was just kind of, it was a light bulb of actually being able to see medical students up close, uh, even if it was just for a week, um, really gave me the confidence of, oh, I can do this. That's such an important thing in this whole process, whether you're coming from a disadvantaged background, whether you're coming from a minority group where you don't see a lot of physicians, whether you are a non-traditional student who potentially failed out of undergrad the first time. It's not until you see yourself in that situation, right? You saw these medical students going, wait a minute, I, I can do that. I, I can see what they're doing. And obviously it's only one small snippet that you're seeing, but all of a sudden, right? It's it's the 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 Muslim pre-med student or Muslim student growing up who's never saw a Muslim physician who all of a sudden sees one somewhere and was like, wait a minute, 
I didn't know I could do that, right? Or the the African American from a from an underserved, underprivileged background who's like, wait a minute, like there are other physicians out there. Are there are physicians out there, and and all of a sudden that spark is there, that drive is there, and and the possibility is there. So you got that possibility by being in the hospital, by seeing this gaggle of medical students. Mm-hmm. But I I'm assuming like if I was in that situation, that that doubt goes right to or or the thought goes right to well. Like I got a 1.8 in undergrad, so I'm obviously not a good student. I guess I can't do that. Like, how did you overcome that? It was, uh, it was honestly just taking an extremely hard look at, okay, what's, what's my GPA, how many years to graduate. And then you say, okay, if, if I, if, if all the stars align and this is where I'm looking at, five years down the road. Cause that's about how long it was between uh, that interaction and me finally uh, graduating here this December mm. of saying it's in the realm of possibilities. And if it's in the realm of possibilities, you, you have to go for it. You have to do it. Yeah. Where were you seeking out that information? Um, after, after working on the helicopter and wanting to go back to school, uh, schedule time commitments, uh, made the decision to come back to the ambulance um, to facilitate going to school and uh, working for a small rural hospital, uh, hospital-based ambulance service. Um, I had, I had awesome mentors that I saw every shift that uh, were a lot of uh, residents or uh, newly uh, graduated physicians that I could ask. So so you just start asking those questions. A lot of, of those people in those situations, and this is kind of why I started the, the podcast and everything else, right? As you go on to Student Doctor Network, you go on Reddit, you go anywhere, uh, you go in person to these people, and, and they typically only see what was possible for them. And they, they have the 3.5 GPAs and the good MCAT score and all this stuff. And then you're coming going, hey, like... I basically failed undergrad already, right? Freshman year. Uh, how did they give you that 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 feedback? I, I had one mentor in specifically that um, was uh, him. Him and I, we, our lives. I call him my Twinkie. He was just about ten years ahead of me. Um, he he had a very similar situation. So I know that's probably not uh, going to be for everyone to just stumble upon this awesome mentor that uh, had a horrible GPA. Uh, was a paramedic, went to medical school while he was married and um, had kids. Um, but uh, he was able to give me a lot of good advice. But um, honestly, Dr. Gray, I, I came really close to making some uh, big mistakes when I was first uh, approaching applying to medical school that uh, your podcast and your materials saved me from. <laughs> like what? what? What would be one of those mistakes? Um. As I was approaching graduation, I, I, I had this light bulb moment that if, if I took a ridiculous amount of hours my last two semesters, um, I think it was going to be about 20 hours of semesters. And by the way, I'm married and working during this time. And if I scheduled my MCAT for next month, there's a chance I could get into medical school a year early. <laughs> yeah, why not? And, and um I mean, I, I bought my, I reserved my seat and I was going to take the MCAT with no study prep, no oh. practice test in October. And, uh, man, I stumbled upon your podcast at the perfect time, uh, canceled my test and, 
And here I am a year later in medical school. I, and I had no idea that at the time I would have had a zero chance of getting into medical zero. school. Zero. Zero, zero point zero 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 one. Yeah. So that, that definitely helps. Um, you mentioned you're married at this time. Uh-huh. What was that conversation like with your wife to, um, or husband, um, to go, uh, Hey, I, um, I think I want to go to medical school. When I, when I came back from that clinical rotation that I talked about, uh, of seeing these medical students and the light bulb moment, the self-confidence moment, finally, uh, breaking through enough. Uh, I sat down with her, my wife, and 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 told her what I was wanting to do. And honestly, the first words were, uh, "She said, finally." <laughs> <laughs> I, she she had she had seen it in me before I had seen it in myself. So, what did she see? I I think she saw me uh, saying, uh, "Do do I want to be a paramedic for the next twenty years? Um, it, do I? I I think there are." very few jobs in healthcare that are as amazing as being a paramedic yeah. uh, with patient care, uh, responsibility, decision-making. But uh, at the end of the day, you're still going to be limited. You're going to be limited in the patients that you can care for um, and the depth of treatment that you can do. So yeah, I, I think she sensed that frustration for a long time. And while it shouldn't be the primary motivation, paramedics are severely underpaid. Oh, you, you mean uh, you mean that uh, I could possibly go to work at a fast food restaurant and make more money than I am now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's unfortunate for <laughs> that, for what they that, do. That is a possibility. Wow. Okay, so she was kind of on board with you going, "Hey, like I want to go get a couple hundred thousand dollars in debt and and not be around for a few years." Uh, what what sort of family planning went into that conversation for for you to to have that possibility where she's like, "Yeah, you know what? I'll I'll take the brunt of this for mm-hmm. a few years." Uh, the first step is saying, oh, I had to go, I had to go finish my undergrad. Yeah. And so, um, that involved us moving. I mean, it was, it was family planning one oh one. Um, I had a chance to go to a state university, uh, or we would move about two hours away and I could go to an undergrad and that could, uh, was about a third of the cost. Mm. And so, um, we moved it, it. It was closer to her families. And so, you know, even while the decision of medical school, I know we still have decisions to make, but, um, it's, it starts way back in undergrad of you have to be in the best position for your family, regardless if you think it's the most prestigious school or not. Yeah. So, what have been the hardest conversations to have with her? The hardest conversations have been uh, probably what we're doing right now as I look to uh, start school here in the next uh, six or seven months is uh, how much does she want to work while I'm in medical school? Um, what does that mean trying to pick up my kids from school? Um, you know, does does the uh, the debt conversation of looking ahead is is probably what's weighing on us most right now of mm-hmm. uh, what do you sacrifice now versus what do you just add on to your tab and say, Oh, I'll pay it off eventually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. How many kids do you have now? We have two kids. They're, they're both, uh, you know, preschool, elementary. So, okay. um, 
I've, I've jokingly, uh, I've, I've, I've told my wife that, uh, you know, the next eight months when I start medical school, uh, we've got about four years worth of memories to make here in the next six months. So <laughs> I'll see you on the other side. Hurry up, hurry up and, yep. and make those memories. Yep. How have you been seeking out mentors for this stage of the game, right? Starting medical school, being in medical school as a dad, as a husband, as a medical student and and trying to figure out what life is going to be like, trying to figure out what's going to work and not going to work so that you don't enter medical school um, kind of behind the curve. Yep. Uh, on, honestly, I'm, I'm still struggling with that. Some, um, I, I have a, I have another physician that I've talked with who is married with kids in medical school. And uh, he told me that was the best time of his life for him and his marriage. He said that, uh, he actually got the, he was another paramedic prior life and, uh, most paramedics aren't, uh, that, uh, used to working. Uh, most of us work 60, 70, 80 hours a week between one or two jobs. Mm. And so, uh, he, he phrased it to me that it was actually, uh, uh, the best time of his life of getting to have less to do. Um, but it is still kind of nerve wracking, uh, knowing what I'm getting into in what way of just, of just knowing time commitments, um, knowing, uh, you know, as, as being a non-traditional student, I've, I've always tried to struggle with my finances up to this point in my life. And so it's hard to just feel like I'm taking on all this debt <laughs> and, um, I, you know, I shouldn't worry too much about it, but yeah. still be thoughtful is, it's just, it's not uh, what a, I think most non-traditional students are used to living life that way. Yeah. How, when, when you were going through the process of looking at schools to apply to, and, and uh, obviously you've gotten into school and if you have multiple acceptances, potentially, how is this going to come into play? But creating that school list and looking at schools, how are you balancing? Like just, I'll go anywhere that will take me versus what's going to be a good environment for being a dad and being a husband and, and being a non-trad student. Yeah. Um, I had, I had to, I had to say at the very upfront of, I think all medical students they'll go. I would like to think that if you got accepted and that was the only acceptance you're going to go, uh, congratulations. <laughs> You'd be but, surprised. There are some students who turn down their only acceptance because they don't want um, it. But we had to make the decision up front that are we willing to move our family? Mm -hmm. um, I'm lucky enough to live in a town where there is a medical school five miles down the road from my house. And so uh, the stress and anxiety of uh, trying to get into that school, um, but yet not put all my eggs in one basket. Um, so during, during interviews, my wife came with me on every interview so she could scope out the town and the schools and, um, above name and prestige, I think we had to pick a town where we knew that we could raise our family. Um, cause I didn't, I didn't want to come out on, come out on the other side of medical school as this, you know, as, as divorced. And, um, so it was, it was really important to have that almost as a larger factor than any prestige or cost of the school um, was the environment I was going to be in. Yeah. 
did you besides going and and having your wife go and and look at these places did were you able to do research beforehand and ask those questions beforehand so that a student putting together their school list now can can potentially find this information yeah um you know important stuff for us was uh, cost of living. I, I wasn't going to be able to go to medical school and live in a single uh, bedroom apartment that costs, you know, $200 a month and yep. me and the rats uh, share the bed together. Um, so <laughs> that's, that's not what you lovingly uh, call your kids, yeah. right? You, you yeah, literally so, mean rats. <laughs> um, I, yeah, of course. Um, you know, looking at the housing market was was um, very important to us, uh, and, and researching um, if if the school um, where where your third and f- where were you going to be your third and fourth year? Yeah, um, there's that was something that I didn't really know going into this a couple of years ago. Was yeah, your first two years there might be in that town, but guess what? You're moving again, and so it was important to me to apply to schools where I had the um, potential to stay all four years to mm. just uh, limit the, time, the amount of moves that my family might have to endure. So, yeah. And a lot of students don't really understand that one of the big differences between DO and MD is that DO schools for the most part aren't affiliated with the big academic institutions where they have room for students third and fourth year. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of DO students are doing a lot of traveling their third and fourth years to, to get to clinical sites that have room for them to do their rotations. Yep. So that that was that was a really important question that I even asked during my interviews. Um, was I, th- I feel like that information can sometimes be hard to pull out of websites. Yeah. Is uh, where third and fourth year, uh, where do students go, and um, how does that work? You know, some schools did a straight lottery. Um, even though half the students might stay in the town, um, it, it was a straight lottery whether or not you had to go travel hours away, yeah. and so. Um, I, I I was really lucky to get into a school where um, you know, eighty or ninety percent get to stay in uh, in the same town as the school. So, yeah, okay. So you ended up applying to MD and DO, or just DO, just MD? Uh, I applied to both. Okay. Um, and why uh, was that? I, I was I was going to apply to the state MD schools in Missouri. Okay. Um, and then, um, being in Missouri in the Midwest, there are a lot of DO schools. Yep. Um, all, uh, ironically, pretty much all of my mentors that I worked with in our, uh, emergency room with the ambulance, they, I mean, they're pretty much 99% DOs. And so that's been my experience and background is just, uh, getting to be up and close with those guys. And so, um. I applied broadly. I think I ended up applying to about 13 or 14 schools and, um, it was, it was split about eight DOs and I think about five MD schools. Okay. And, um, I got into my top choice. It was my first interview. Uh, talk about nerve wracking. <laughs> um, that's my, <laughs> if you, if, if there is any possible way to not make your top school choice, your first interview, I mean, do everything in your power. But for me, it worked out that way. So I had to do it. Yeah. I don't like playing that game because you just don't know. And then you're freaking yeah. out because you, yeah. you couldn't play the game right. And it just yeah. is what yeah. it is. It is what it is. And, and, uh, but it worked out. So what made your top choice, your top choice? Um, 
for me, honestly, married family, it was, is this the school that's only like five minutes from me or five miles? Yes. Yep. So, um, I, I, I can't, I can't express enough how lucky I feel like I, uh, came into a school where I'm going to be able to stay in the same house I live right now. And, uh, my wife and kids can still keep their jobs and go to the same school. And so, uh, it's awesome. That's awesome. So let's, let's rewind a little bit back to, okay, you're, you're working as a paramedic and you decide, you know what, I want to go back to school, become a pre-med. Uh, I'm sure it was just perfect, right? Straight A's, no, no issues. Uh, e- easiest thing ever. What, what was that process like for you? Uh, we moved, we moved back, uh, to be able to be, uh, closer to grandparents so I could go to finish my undergrad. And, um, honestly, I, it was, I, I'm very likely was told given this advice and I followed it was slowly getting yourself back into it. Um, uh, going back to school in your upper twenties, I'm 30 now. Uh, it's, it's in it's extremely hard to try to keep working full time and then all of a sudden go to be automatically a full-time student. And, uh, so I started off as part-time student and then just kept adding a couple hours each semester and finally found my, my sweet spot of how many hours can I take on at school and still work and occasionally see my kids. <laughs> yeah. What, what were some of the biggest hiccups along the way? Uh, working, honestly, I, I mean, I give kudos to any pre-med that's trying to work full time. Um, especially when you get to, uh, your science classes that just, that just take a lot of time with, uh, studying, writing papers. Um, that was, that was a hiccup. Uh, I don't think I could have stayed working full time, um, in very few jobs outside of being a paramedic. Um, so so that that really is a blessing. I think it was being able to still work on the ambulance full time and uh, be able to study in between calls. And um, it, it's it's a hard road trying to study and work. <laughs> it, it definitely is. Um, when it came to your applications and and getting feedback from schools or whoever you you got that feedback from uh, what was it like to, to have this initial GPA just kind of weighing on you? Oh, it was, it was hard. Um, luckily, um, when you're a criminal justice major, uh, you, you literally have to take zero science classes. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, um, I, I knew, I, I knew I stood a chance of, um, being able to tackle my science GPA. Um, and, and make the best score of it as I can. Mm-hmm. And then, um, honestly, it's, it's just looking at how many, how many classes do I have to take to graduate? Um, unfortunately being a paramedic, having a previous major changing, um, I ended up with a really high denominator in my college undergrad hours. And so, um, it, it, it can be discouraging knowing that, uh, no matter how many more classes you take, you're really not going to move the needle anymore. Um, but I, I would recommend to people not get hung up too much on specific scores and just, and just, uh, 
holding on and clinging on to the fact that there is a score that's good enough and, um, and, and kind of live in that awesome sweet spot of good enough. As long as you're above good enough and everything, uh, you're going to get in. Yeah. Good enough. That's just got to get into, get, get that foot in the door. So good, good. Um, when you start medical school, what is life going to look like for you and for your wife and family? Um, you know, for the first time, um, I'm, I'm going to quit working. And so that, that, that will be, I can't stress the anxiety, but also excitement of knowing that, wow, this will be my only job, uh, is being able to be a student. Um, I'm really looking forward to that. Gone are the days of, uh, 72 hours on the ambulance and then, uh, going to school on top of that. And, um, my wife's going to keep working part-time and we're going to, uh, see how it goes. <laughs> yeah. Have you talked to the school? A lot of students don't really understand how it works necessarily with, with having a family, having kids, needing to pay for daycare, preschool, whatever, and, and being able to adjust the loans that, that are possible. Yep. Have you, have you thought about that? Are you going to try to not take more money just so you don't have uh, more loans? Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely, I've, we've already started that. I'm, I'm trying to set up meetings right now. Um, cause I, I don't want it to be the thing I'm most anxious about, yeah. but, uh, realistically, yeah, I'm going to have to take out additional loans and um it it hurts because i've tried to live my life not that way um but this is my investment investment myself um wh- one thing if you know i i'm still learning about and maybe you might have some advice was um you know medical insurance is huge um you know i'm, I'm outside i'm not a dependent I, and i have my own dependents and so mm-hmm. uh, most schools have health insurance that you have to purchase and they they offer a discounted rate for you and your family but that's just a whole nother you know just talking about dollar signs stuff that can creep up <laughs> on you and, and not realize that you have to budget an extra you know thousand dollars a month to have uh, health insurance for your family so. <laughs> yay american healthcare system <laughs> Yep. Oh. What do you hope is is in your future? Um, as, as I get through school, um, it's it's tempting to say because guess what? For anybody that gets accepted in medical school, you're going to be asked every day, "What kind of doctor are you going to be?" And I I don't know that yet. Um, I think I would like to leverage the fact of my emergency medicine background um, for so long. Um, but then let's flip the coin. I've done it for so long. So who knows? I might end up as some pathologist working in an office. So (laughs) you're, you're wide open to the possibilities. (laughs) Yep. Do you think with all of your paramedic background, you could see yourself as potential like EMT kind of emergency medical director, that kind of person? Honestly, I would, I would love that. Um, the future of EMS is um, at, at a crazy crossroads. And I, don't, I don't think it's on very many people's minds. And, I, and not that I blame them. We have so much else to worry about. Um, but um, ambulances, services are closing. Um, there aren't as many paramedic students going through new programs. Um, you know, who, who wants to go be in charge of innovating a three-year-old when you're making 
14 or $15 an hour. Yeah. And, and so, um, I, I, I could passionately see myself pursuing, um, you know, some sort of representative program of having that background and knowing what needs to change. So, yeah. What was the, the application process interview process like for you having that initial kind of bad start to your undergrad career? Did that come up at all? How did you justify yourself and and was there any pushback? Honestly, it, it didn't come up a single time in my interviews. Um, and Honestly, maybe the reason it didn't come up is uh, because I found out in a in a in a storytelling type way to share my story. Um, that was one of my most favorite things about this whole process is getting to really hone in story uh, storytelling storying uh, mm-hmm. skills. And um, if you can if you can practice learning how to tell a story. Um, you know, creating suspense at the right time and uh, showing <laughs> adversity and overcoming it. Um, if, if you can practice telling your story, it, it really doesn't come up at all. In fact, you're the one bringing it up. So yeah. I think it ends up being a good thing. Yeah. And where did you learn that storytelling stuff? Do you learn from my books or podcasts? Well, guess or? What? You know, there was this really good book I bought. <laughs> um, um, and that, and that really, I, th- I believe in the book, you mentioned um, some links to kind of follow up on that more. And, uh, through the series of the internet, YouTube clicks, the domino effect of how you just go from one thing to the next. Um, I, I, I stumbled across a really good storytelling podcast that, um, is just awesome for teaching you, you know, how, how to tell stories, you know, how to tell a two or three minute story. Yeah. What podcast and, is uh, that? It was speak up. I think, uh, Matthew Dix is the one okay. who, um, uh, he's, uh, he runs it and he, he does, uh, story and advice and critiques. They usually tell a story and they critique it. And, and, uh, if, if you're a fan of, uh, this American life and, you know, moth and all that stuff, you, you would love it. So. Awesome. Oh, Nathan, what kind of last words of wisdom, encouragement do you have for the student who maybe has uh, that 1.8 freshman GPA has been told that they can never get into medical school and is, is still trying to figure out their path? I would just encourage that person to uh, realize that no one else is going to be an expert on your story except for you. And so um, if you can honestly say, yes, this is going to be a five-year course correction path. Um, Yes, I can move and I can have an upward trend. Um, You know, we didn't talk much about upward trend, but I'd saved my bacon. Mm -hmm. and. and, you know, if, if you have an upward trend, I, I don't think outside of, uh, you know, going to jail your freshman year and getting put on probation, um, I think any, any scores you can overcome. Upward trend is definitely important. Um, for the student who wants to know, and I know you said nothing's really off limits. Let's let's talk stats real quick. Yeah. Um, you started off with a 1.8. How did you finish up? I, f- I finished with the 3.3. Okay. Um, cumulative, but, uh, yeah, and I had 3.4 science. Great. And, um, that was, I think I'm going to graduate with about 215 Whew. credit hours. So Whew, that's I mean, a lot. You talk about your denominator gets to the point where yeah. I I'm, I'm at a 3.3. It's not going to go up. It's or not down. going anywhere. Uh, yeah. Um, 
Okay. Uh, my my MCAT, I had I had a five hundred five MCAT. Great. Um, um, which I think was was fair to good. Um, uh, it would have been a lot. I can't imagine if I would have taken my MCAT uh, with back in October, thinking that oh, I can do this and study it for three weeks. Um, respect the MCAT is a real thing. Respect. Um, and uh, I, I remember being really uh, nervous about having kind of an unbalanced MCAT score. And guess what? It didn't come up a single time. So um, I wouldn't worry too much about it. So biggest takeaways. Tell your story. Um, upward trend. Upward trend. And stop worrying about the little stuff. Because once you get in, you're going to laugh at yourself. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and, and you were so worried about, you know, well, you know, my, M- my MCAT was one point off from where I wanted it to be. Yeah. And uh and communicate, communicate, communicate with your wife. Uh, yeah. What about your kids? We we didn't really mention your kids. Uh, let's yeah. let's finish yeah. up with them. How, what is that conversation like? Or are they too young, really, at this point, to say, well, "Hey, they're, daddy's they're, daddy's going to be very busy." They're seven and four. Okay, so the seven year old knows. And so she, my my daughter, who's seven, she she, she gets it. Unfortunately, um, I, I in a I'm not going to say shameful way, but um, Unfortunately, being a paramedic, that's all she's really known. Um, she, I think dad's gone a lot with school and studying. And so um, I think she's excited. I don't think she realizes how long she, she'll still ask me. My son, who's younger, will still ask me, uh, you know, are you a doctor yet? And it's like, no, I haven't started yet. So I'll update you on that once we get a couple years into it. They're, they're excited. All right. So there you have it. Again, Nathan sharing his story, his journey to medical school. I hope this encouraged you. If you're looking for some more encouragement, if this is your first time here, go subscribe so that you can get all of these episodes for free in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts or music. Now, if you are looking for other motivation, go to premed.tv. That is a link to our YouTube channel where I have videos coming out almost three days a week once we are back into application renovation season, we'll have our third video every week going out. But we have our Ask Dr. Gray videos going out. We have our regular Monday YouTube videos going out and much more. Go subscribe. Hit me up on there. Say hello. Let me know that you found out about the YouTube channel from the podcast. I'd love for you to just go say hi, comment on one of the videos. And let me know that you're you're watching along with us. I hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time here on the Pre-Med Years. This is MedEd Media.